take laughing walks at dusk. They show me photos of their wedding. Have a room steeped in sadness, in hope, in grief. Ovulation kits clutter their bathroom shelves. Fertility drugs are stacked on their nightstands. These I don't touch, as if to impart the message, I didn't see this, I am not aware, I know nothing. All morning... I sift and organise and ease the lives of others. I clear away human traces, erasing all evidence that they have eaten, slept, made love, argued, washed, worn clothes, read newspapers, shed hair and skin and bristle and blood and toenails. I dust. I walk the corridors, trailing the vacuum cleaner behind me on a long leash. Then, around lunchtime... If I'm lucky, I have four hours before the evening shift to do whatever I want. So I have walked up to the lake, as I often do during my time off, and today, for some reason, I have decided to take the path right around to the other side. Why? I forget. Maybe I finished my tasks earlier that day. Maybe the guests had been less untidy than usual, and I'd got out of the guesthouse before time. Maybe the clear, sun-bright weather has lured me from my usual path. I have also had no reason at this point in my life to distrust the countryside. I have been to self-defence lessons held at the community centre in the small Scottish seaside town where I spent my teens. The teacher, a barrel-shaped man in a judo suit, would put scenarios to us with startling gothic relish. Late at night, and you're coming out of a pub, he would say, eyeing us one by one from beneath his excessively sprouting eyebrows, and a huge bloke lunges out from an alleyway and grabs you. Or you're in a narrow corridor in a nightclub, and some drunk shoves you up against a wall. Or it's dark, it's foggy, you're waiting at the traffic lights, and someone seizes your bag strap and pushes you to the ground. These narratives of peril always ended with the same question, put to us with slightly gloating rhetoric. So, what do you do? We practised reversing our elbows into the throats of our imaginary assailants, rolling our eyes as we did so because we were, after all, teenage girls. We took it in turns to rehearse the loudest shout we could. We repeated dutifully, dully, the weak points in a male body. I... Nose, throat, groin, knee. We believed we had it covered, that we could take on the lurking stranger, the drunk assailant, the bag-snatching mugger. We were sure we'd be able to break their grip, bring up our knee, scratch at their eyes with our nails. We reckoned we could find an exit out of these alarming, yet oddly thrilling synopses. We were taught to make noise, to attract attention, to yell, Police! We also, I think, imbibed a clear message. Alleyway, nightclub, pub, bus stop, traffic lights. The danger was urban. In the country or in rural towns like ours, where there were no nightclubs, no alleyways, and no traffic lights even, things like this did not happen. We were free to do as we pleased. And yet here is this man, high up a mountain, blocking my way, waiting for me. It seems important not to show my fear, to play along, 
so I keep walking, keep putting one foot in front of the other. If I turn and run, he could catch up with me in seconds, and there would be something so exposing, so final about running. It would uncover to us both what the situation is. It would bring things to a head. The only option seems to be to carry on, to pretend that this is perfectly normal. Hello again, he says to me, and his gaze slides over my face, my body, my bare, muddy legs. It is a glance more assessing than lascivious, more calculating than lustful. It is the look of a man working something out, planning the logistics of a deed. I cannot meet his gaze. I cannot look at him directly. Not quite, but I am aware of narrow-set eyes, a considerable height. I...